Bibles, grab your Bibles, remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. This is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's get some lights in the place. Let's got some lights on in here. They can't read their Bible in the dark. Amen. All right. All right. Acts chapter number 1. I must confess, I must confess, uh, here in the next little while, uh, we are probably going to do more teaching than preaching. Uh, there is so much information I want to cover and I want to get to you. And, and I may have to stay a little more in the teaching mode, uh, but y'all know I'm about to preach at any moment. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and I'm just saying this so you'll understand it's going to be just a little different. And it, it may be a, a little different style. It may be in a little different way. And so what I, I plan to do is I'm going to preach or teach till I run out of time. And where we stop next week, we'll start. Say amen. Are you cool with that? And this is, this is why I want to do this. This is why I want to do this. Uh, after Jesus rose uh, from the dead, that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Now what? You know, uh, we, we make a really big deal of the... Re- Have you ever noticed, uh, we were talking in staff meeting, that no matter how many times you see it, and you think it's just going to be another time, but when Jesus steps out that tomb, you get all jacked up. Are you with me on that? I mean, it is so awesome. I have tears every time. I mean, it, is, it just does something for me. But he got up so we can too. Now, what's next? What took place in the calendar? What, what is the next thing on the agenda? Where do we go from here? What, what do we need to know now? So what I want to do is take my time, take my time to do this, and just go through right then. What happened after Jesus got up uh, right through uh, the Gospels, the, the 40 days that he was here on this earth? all the way to Acts chapter number 1 with his ascension, and, and when he left, the Spirit came. Amen? So we're going to cover that, and if you don't mind and you're excited about that, say amen. amen. And if you're not, lie to me. Amen? All right. Acts chapter number 1 in verse number 1. Good to have everybody out today. Great crowd this morning. Uh, I want you to look in verse number 1. Uh, <clears throat> most scholars believe that this is Luke uh, writing, Luke uh, recording, uh, what he has seen in, 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 this, in this historical book. Uh, he says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, and, uh, and, and that is the book of Luke, by the way, uh, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things uh, pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is biblical. Uh, many denominations don't believe that Baptists believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we do. We just believe in the biblical kind. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to describe that and help us understand that. It is a real deal. It is something that took place there in Acts chapter number 2. All right? It says in verse 6, 
When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for an opportunity to share your word. Now, Lord, that power you just told us about in your word, I'm in need of right now. I pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will direct and guide and consume my heart and my mind and my thinking. Lord, that everything I say will be anointed. Everything I say will be exactly what needs to be said. I pray that you will keep me from saying anything that would hinder, uh, Lord, anything that you're trying to do. Help us not to quench the Holy Spirit, but help us to receive your word gladly. Help us today to do everything we can to receive it and apply it to our lives. God, I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go back to verse number 3. The Acts of the Apostles, verse number 3. Now remember, uh, when you are a diligent student of the Bible, always remember that the book of Acts is a historical book. Say that with me. It is a... Everybody say it. It is a, a historical book. It is a history book. It is a book of transition. We see change taking place in the book of Acts. From Acts chapter number 1 to Acts chapter number 10, there is a transition from the old to the new. An old way of doing things to a new way of doing things. From the old covenant to the new covenant. Uh, it is a transition. It is a historical transitional book. And you say, why is that important to know? Because you do not develop or determine doctrine from a history book. You do not determine what we do here in our modern day church with a book of transition because things were changing. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, uh, knowing that and understanding that, we see in Acts chapter number 2 that salvation came to the Jewish people. 3,000 were saved that day. Then Acts chapter number 8, salvation came to the Samaritan people. They were half Jew and half Gentile. You see, it's Jews, half Jew and Gentile, Samarians. And then in Acts chapter number 10, we find that Cornelius, and he, which was full-blooded Gentile, then they receive the salvation that God has offered. And now the church is complete. But do you all see the transition moving from only Jew to Jew and Gentile alike? You see, there was so much time that God, He dealt with the world through the nation of Israel. But when the church was made, hallelujah, He was changing things. It was changing how He operated. He was changing what He did. He did not primarily deal with the nation of Israel. He dealt with the church. Instead of the nation of Israel being the ambassador to the world, now it was the church. And it wasn't just Jewish people. It was all people alike. Somebody say amen. What a great book. What a great book. Now, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> Number one, I want to I talk about his activity on the earth, his activity on the earth, those 40 days, those 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And Lord's willing, we'll talk about the ascension and then the arrival of the Spirit in Acts chapter number 2, if we have time today. So, let's get right to it, all right? 
here on, the, on, on Resurrection Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, the Bible says that he appeared to Mary Magdalene first. That was the first one. How many of y'all remember reading the gospel? When, when, when she came, she thought he was a gardener. She was upset. She thought they had taken his body away. And, 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 and he is there and said, well, who are you looking for? What are you looking for? And he said, and her, supposing him to be the gardener, said, if you'll just tell me where you've taken him, I will go get him. I will take care of everything. And he said one word, her name, Mary. And when he called her name, she immediately knew who he was. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my father. He appeared to Mary first. Then he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. If you will remember reading, two different Gospels record this event. Uh, two disciples who were dismayed. They were discouraged. You've got to understand, in those three days, all of the disciples, they really didn't understand the resurrection. They really didn't get and understand that Jesus taught them that he would rise again. They thought it was all over with. They thought these three years were good while it lasted. Oh, it was good while it lasted, but it's over now. And they were frustrated, and they were discouraged. And these two disciples were going home, and Jesus appeared to them. Now remember, in those 40 days, he appeared and disappeared. Appeared and disappeared. He would appear for a, a time with the disciples and whoever he was speaking to or ministering to at the time, and then he would disappear out of their sight and go somewhere else. I was under the impression when I was a little kid growing up that after the resurrection that Jesus, he just hung out with the disciples for 40 days till it was time for him to go, and then he left. But that's not what happened. He would periodically appear to them and disappear, appear to them and disappear. Now, what, now what does that help us understand? We need to understand and be ready to see him at any moment. Now, he appears to these two disciples. They're discouraged. They're down. And, and these, these were followers of Christ. And, and he says, what's up? And they look at him like he's crazy. What do you mean? What's up? Haven't you? Or, or, what are you living under a rock? Didn't you hear what has happened? He said, what's happened? Now read it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. He is really messing with them. And they begin to tell him. They said, man, Jesus, who performed miracles. This Jesus that we were followers of, they've crucified him. They've killed him. And he says, is that right? And he stays with them. And he keeps walking. And then the Bible says, the Bible says, he began to expound to them the Scriptures. Let me, let me read the verse. The Bible says in, in Luke chapter number 24, verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Listen, what was he doing? He was reminding them of what the scripture said. And the Bible says that their hearts burned within them as he began to expound and explain the scriptures. And when it come time for them to part, they said, hey, why don't you just come in with us? It's, it, you know, it's late now. Just, and they still don't even know it's him. They still have no idea it's him. And so he comes in, and he says, he says grace, he says the blessing, he blesses the food, their eyes are open, they realize it's him, and they said, oh, and he disappears. And so they get up, they get up, and they go back to Jerusalem, they go back to the disciples and say, hey, guess what, guess what, we saw him, he's alive, it's real, he's alive, we saw, they ain't seen him yet. 
Now, after Mary Magdalene, after Mary Magdalene sees him, she runs back to the disciples and says, He's alive! We've seen him! We've seen him! Now, now uh, Peter and John have gone to the tomb and they see him empty, but they hadn't seen nobody. So they're still doubting. They're still, they're still not believing. Now, watch what happens. Watch what happens. When Mary Magdalene and these two disciples who Jesus appeared to come back and tell them, this is what the Gospels say. The wor- their words seemed as idle tales. In other words, they did not believe them. Everybody likes to jump on poor old Thomas, but none of them believed him. Until Jesus appeared. Jesus appears to them. I hope this is not boring you, but I promise it's going to get better. Jesus appears to them out of nowhere. I'm talking about just boom, in the midst. They're locked in a room. They are hiding because they are thinking they are the next ones that's going to be crucified. They are scared to death. So here they are in the upper room. I've heard people say, you know, trying to uh, preach a message, defending the Sunday night church service. You know, Thomas wasn't with them when Jesus appeared. That's why you always need to go to church on Sunday night because you don't never know when Jesus... They wasn't in church. They were hiding, people. This was not a Sunday night church service. This was a Sunday night, let's hide or we're going to get killed. Are y'all with me? And so here they are, Jesus appears to them, but Thomas is not with them, and it scares them to death. It scares them to death. They think they see a ghost. They think they see a spirit. And Jesus says, hey, 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 ho, ho, calm down, everybody. It's me. It's me. Look at my hands. Look, it's me. Look at my side. Hey, does a ghost have flesh and bone? Look at me. It's real. And boy, then, then this is the cool part. He said, by the way, y'all got something to eat. I'm reading the Gospels. It's in your Bible. He says, do you have something to eat? And they gave him broiled fish and a honeycomb. And Jesus in his glorified body ate a broiled fish and a honeycomb. Somebody say amen. But Thomas wasn't with them. Now, a week later, a week later, the Bible says that they told Thomas. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see the prints in his hands. I'm not going to believe unless I can stick my hand in his side. Uh, listen, now, 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 before you get all sideways with Thomas, you've got to understand his makeup. You've got to understand his character, what made him, his, his name described him. He was one that had to know. He was one that had to know for sure. He wasn't, he wasn't scared because if you remember, it was Thomas that said, let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. He was devoted to Christ. He was devoted to the Savior. But he had to know. He didn't want to just take somebody's word for it. He had to know. If that makes sense, say amen. Well, the Bible says that now Thomas is with them. It says, and when Thomas was with them, then came Jesus. How many of y'all are glad that Jesus will show up and meet the need that you have? He said, hey, Thomas, put your hands right here. Hey, Thomas, look at my side. I know you need assurance. I know you need confirmation. Well, son, here it is. Then he disappeared. He would appear and disappear, appear and disappear. You say, preacher, what is he doing these 40 days? Well... If you want to take notes or write something down, first he reminded 
he reminded them of the Scriptures. He took them back and said, look what the Scriptures say would happen. He took the, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He reminded. Say that with me. In the 40 days, he, he reminded. Second thing, second thing, he reassured. <clears throat> he reassured. Who was he reassuring? Well, everybody, but primarily Thomas. He's reassuring them that he is truly alive, that he truly rose again, that he is the real deal. Somebody say amen. But there was some unfinished business. There was some unfinished business that he needed to take care of. You see, before the resurrection or, and before the crucifixion, in between the arrest and the crucifixion, uh, there was a point where one of his disciples denied him three times. It was a public denial. Everybody knew about it. Listen, this was a time when Jesus had already told Peter. He said, look, Satan has desired to have they may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. He said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Because Peter said, I'll never deny you. They all can deny you. They all can, because Jesus told him the shepherd's going to be smitten and the sheep will scatter. And he said, not me. I'll die before I do that. And we know what happened. To save time, we know what happened. Uh, uh, listen, after the arrest, he denied the Lord three times. After the third time, his eyes met the Lord. Jesus looked at him. He looked at Jesus all at the same time. And it broke Peter's heart. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine knowing that the last thing that the Savior heard you say was denying him before he went to the cross? That's like saying something ugly to a loved one right before they die and knowing that's the last words they heard. Can you imagine how broken Peter was? But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when Jesus rose, he told that angel, he said, make sure and tell them that I got up and don't forget about Peter. That angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Woo, say amen. Now, in that appearing and disappearing, in that appearing and disappearing, they get a little frustrated. Peter, Peter is antsy. Now, you've got to understand, they have not received the Holy Spirit yet. So they're still in a, in a state of weakness, if you will. And Peter just said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was good at. It's fishing for men stuff I'm not real good at. I haven't been successful. Now, there's only one problem with that. Jesus has already commissioned him. Jesus has already called him. Jesus has already got a destiny for him. Because that day when he said, Who do men say that I am? Peter said, We believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And unto thee give I the keys to the kingdom. What keys? The keys of salvation for the Jews in Acts 2. The, the keys to salvation to the uh, Samaritans in Acts 8. And the keys to salvation to the Gentiles in Acts 10. He had a purpose. He had a destiny. But Listen, he was ready to give it up. Have you ever been there? And they go fishing. And, and, and always remember this. Your stupidity will always affect somebody else. Because when Peter said, I go a fishing, the rest of them said, we go with thee. Are y'all with me? Now, y'all know what happens. They go out and fish all night long. They fish all night long and catch nothing the next day the next day jesus is on the shore and by the way he's cooking breakfast 
Children, have you any meat? No, we ain't got nothing. So how do you know the answer like that? Have you ever fished all night and caught nothing? We had an all-night tournament, and we caught a few fish, but I tell you what, I still had an attitude the next morning. Say amen. We haven't caught anything. He said, won't you try? (laughs) Y'all got to use your imagination here. You know Jesus has got a sense of humor. Hey, won't you try the other side of the boat? Like they hadn't already done that. When you ain't caught nothing, you'll try the side, the left, the right, the front, the back. You, you. And they drop the net, and here's all these fish. And their memory is triggered. And John says, whoop! It's the Lord! Peter says, uh-oh. He, gir- he puts his coat on. And he's so, I, 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 I lo- as, as, as much as Peter is always getting in trouble for being so reckless and so impulsive, you got to love the guy. I mean, immediately. He don't even wait to help with the net. He just bails over. And he's the one who got him out there to begin with. He swims to shore. And y'all know what happened. Jesus brings them in, gathers them by the fire, warms them up, gives them something to eat. He says those sweet words, come and dine. And then he addresses Peter. He says, son, we got to talk. Because really, and, and, and by the way, there was, according to Paul, according to Paul, there was, a, there was a secret meeting between, I say secret, it was not recorded in the Gospels, but according to Paul, there was a meeting between just Jesus and Peter himself sometime before this but peter is listen jesus is getting peter in the right frame of mind what is he doing he's restoring him say that word with me he is he's restoring him listen peter i had a plan for you and i know you messed up i know you dropped the ball but let me tell you something i still got a plan for you he said do you love me he addresses his issues he addresses and and makes peter get real honest with him and then he says, look, feed my sheep. you got a job to do. Guess who Jesus turns loose on the day of Pentecost to preach to see 3,000 people get saved? It wasn't John. It was old, impulsive, denying Peter. Are y'all with me? Say amen. How many of y'all glad we have a God of restoration? So what's taking place? What's taking place in these 40, 40 days on this earth? He is encouraging He is probably healing. According to John, at the end of the book of John, John said, I tell you what, there was so much stuff that he did while he was here in them 40 days. He said, there was so much stuff. If I was to record all of them, the books of this world couldn't contain everything he did. But he was appearing and disappearing, appearing and disappearing. He was restoring. He was reminding. He was reassuring. He was doing everything he can to teach them and help them and get them motivated for what lies ahead. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, that's the, that's the activity. Number two, the ascension. Let's go to Acts chapter number one. All right, it's time for him to go. It's time for Jesus to go. Here he is with his disciples. Uh, let, me, let, me read, let me read Paul and in, in what he said in, in uh, Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, 30, or 15 verse 3, 
For I delivered unto you, first of all, which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's that meeting between him and, him and the Lord, then of the twelve. Now, I wondered about the twelve. I said, wait a minute, there was only eleven. That is, is, is determining the, the, the group of the apostles. They were, they were known as, and they were called multiple times, the twelve, the twelve. And what Paul is saying here, uh, it, it, it's not necessarily that it was 11. He was talking about the group of apostles. In other words, he didn't just appear to one of them. He appeared to all of them. If that makes sense, say amen. It says, and, and after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. All right? Now, some, some scholars believe that that 500, when he, so he was seen of 500, was talking about his ascension. When he left, when he gave his last commands to them, and he ascended up into heaven and, and, and gave them basically the, the, the last things he wanted to remind them of. All right? So, in Acts chapter number 1, let's talk about the ascension. What happened? What happened at the time of the ascension? First, first we see in, uh, in Acts chapter number 1, the disciples are coming to him. And he commands them to wait. Look what it says in verse number 4. He says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But, everybody say it, but, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In the Gospels you'll find that Jesus said two great things. Before he left, he said two great things. First, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The second major thing that he said is, I will send the Comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise that he's talking about. What is he saying? You're going to need help to get the job done that I've called you to do. Are you all with me? So he commanded them to wait. Now, what do we learn from that? What can we apply this and take this? Uh, we have to have God to get the job done. I don't care how much talent you have. I don't care how good you can sing. I don't care how good you can teach. I don't care how good you can preach. I don't care how good a soul winner you are. You cannot do spiritual deeds without the Spirit of God in you. You cannot accomplish what we have to accomplish. You cannot, listen, do the things that we have to do. This world is getting wickeder by the day. It is getting evil upon evil upon evil upon evil. And if there was every time that we needed the power of God, it is in the day we are. And God is saying, don't even start, don't even try, don't even make an effort to go forward till you are endued with power from on high because in order to do what I've called you to do, you're going to need my help. Don't leave without the Spirit. Don't start without the Spirit. Don't even try. Wait for the enduing of power. Wait for the promise of His coming. Wait for the Spirit of God. When I leave, He's going to come, but you've got to wait on Him. Are you all with me? And we know after the 40 days, Jesus ascended. Ten days later, ten days later, the Spirit came. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he commanded them at his ascension. The second thing, the second thing, B, if you want to put an outline, he not only commanded them, but he also corrected them. He also corrected them. Here's what, here's what they said. All right, 
All right, are you going to restore? Now watch how this works. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? What, what, is, what, are, what are they doing? They're thinking nationally when Jesus is thinking internationally. They're thinking of themselves. They're thinking of we're going to be on thrones. And basically this, are you going to, are you going to kick the Romans out now? Are we going to have our land back? Are we, going to, are we going to have our kingdom back? Are you going to set up your throne now? And, and you say, what is so significant about that? How often do we get distracted with our own agendas and we don't accomplish what God's called us to do? Look what he says. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which God has put in his own power. That is God's business. That is God's timing. That is left up to him. He said, that is in God's power, but you shall receive power. You don't need to worry about when he's coming. You don't need to worry about the signs. You don't need to worry about all those things. You need to get busy being a witness of me. What's the point? Don't get distracted with silly things. I'm teaching a a class in TBI, and one of the things I say over and over again is, listen, don't argue with people. Don't argue with people. If you see two people arguing, neither one of them know what they're talking about. Because if just one knows what they're talking about, they won't argue about it. Say this with me. A mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. Yeah, I just preached the gospel right there. Don't argue. Don't get so caught up in trivial things. Don't get so caught up in things. I've seen people, I've seen people that will drive across the country to go to a prophecy conference, but they won't go across the street to witness to somebody about Jesus. And you know what he's saying? You're worried about the wrong things. You're focused on the wrong things. That's not up to you. That's up to God. You get busy doing what I called you to do so at his ascension he commanded at his ascension he corrected but then number three at his ascension he commissioned he commissioned i love acts 1 8 i love acts 1 8 he said but ye shall receive power the word power is the word dunamis it's the word we get our word dynamite and dynamic and dynamo are y'all with me What is it? It is the power of God in you. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Remember, internationally, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Three things you get there. First, first, you get a person. That is the person of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Then you receive not only a person, that is the Holy Spirit. The day you get saved, you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. You are put into the body of Christ, spiritually speaking, by the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad you're not going through this life all by yourself? Amen. You receive a person, and with that person, you receive a power. A power that is beyond your imagination. A power that can accomplish anything. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Somebody say amen. You receive a power. Say, preacher, I can't witness. I can't soul win. I can't do this. I can't do that. Listen, I can't never could do nothing. You need to understand, you can. And matter of fact, let me, let me clarify that. It's not you doing it. It's him doing it through you. When you receive his person, 
You receive His power, and that power is for His purpose. God does not give you power so you can be a dynamic Christian to brag on yourself. God does not give you power so you can live a comfortable life. God doesn't give you power for so, so things will be easy for you. God gives you power to be a witness. God gives you a power to share the gospel. God gives you a power to go and tell somebody about Jesus and to get them in the kingdom of God and save. Say amen. He commissioned them. And by the way, guys, we all, we all have that commission well, you know, it's, it's the preacher's job to get people saved. No, no. The Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. How many of y'all got hope this morning? According to the Bible, you need to be ready to share that with someone. And how do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Lastly, and this is the fun part. Say amen. Jesus ascends. Jesus ascends. And when Jesus ascends, the Spirit arrives. Ten days. Ten days. They are waiting on the promise that Jesus gave them in Acts chapter number 1. Now, let's read Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. Business is fixing to pick up. Say amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now, now don't, don't mix up words here. There, there was not a wind that blowed through the place. Are y'all with me? It was a sound. Are y'all with me? Come on, get with me. It was a sound. In other, words, in other words, there wasn't wind blowing papers everywhere in the building. They were in the building, and they heard a sound. It was almost like an explosion. It said like a rushing mighty wind, kind of like a tornado or a hurricane. How many of y'all have heard commercials? you heard people that's been through hurricanes? Or it, says, sounds like a, it sounds like a locomotive coming through the living room. That sound, and that's what they heard. And that's, that could have been what attracted the crowd around them. It says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. This is the breath of God. The sound from heaven. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. So what do we have? We have this sound, this, this supernatural phenomenon, this sound from heaven. Then we have uh, little, little tongues of flame over every single one of them. Now, what is, that? What is the significance of that? God wanted you to know that every single one of them got it. Are y'all with me? Every single believer in the place received what was coming at this point. Now, what did they get? What did they get? Verse 4. And they were all filled with the... And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That word is language, and we're going to cover that coming up, all right? Now, here's what happened. Here they are. They're waiting. Now, understand this. There is not one single scripture in the Bible that tells us that the, the Spirit of God came because they prayed. Not one. Not one scripture in the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came. 
here at Pentecost because they tarried or because they prayed. Most of my life, I've heard evangelists preaching that, oh, if we could pray like they did in Acts, if we could pray like they did, we could have another Pentecost. Number one, that's not even biblical. Number two, we can't have another Pentecost just like we're not going to have another Calvary. Pentecost was a one-time event. Now, let me, let me go to Leviticus to help us understand it. And I promise you, I know this has probably been boring to some people, but I promise you, if you'll get this, you will see the sovereign hand of God in this, and it will blow your mind. Say amen. In the book of Leviticus, chapter number 23, you will find God giving the nation of Israel different feasts to, to celebrate and to remember and symbolize. Are y'all with me? One that we talked about extensively in the last couple weeks is the Feast of Passover. How many of y'all remember that? Tell me you were here the last three weeks. Come on. The Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover was where they would sacrifice a lamb. That lamb was a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Passover. He is the lamb. So the Feast of Passover represented and symbolized the death of Christ on cross of Calvary. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The Bible says, <clears throat> let me flip over here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So, so first, we have, first we have the Feast of Passover. First we have the Feast of Passover. Then the very next day we have the Feast of first fruits. Say that with me. We had the Feast of... And this was, the, this was the barley harvest or the springtime. The springtime. Now, what happens in the spring? All that is dead in the ground comes to life and springs to life again. Somebody say amen. Now, in this feast, in this feast, they celebrated and they commemorated all what was being brand new. It says this, watch this, First, not only in the Feast of the Passover, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says Jesus was our Passover. Watch 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept, or in other words, them that died. Now let me read my notes. Each spring, each spring when the first harvest of the year is available, the people would bring some of their initial crops to the temple so that the high priest could acknowledge them before God. This must be done on Sunday after Passover. Thus it happened so early in the Bible that God honors Resurrection Sunday, the Sunday after Passover, as representing particularly the things that come up out of the ground spontaneously and miraculously after the long dead winter. What do we see? If Passover is a type of the, the death in the sacrificial payment of Jesus on the cross, then the first fruits feast represents the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Say amen. He is the first fruits. In other words, he is the beginning of many to come. Say amen. Then, then, 50 days, 50 days, we find the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. The Feast of Harvest. Now, what is this? This is the wheat harvest. Even though, even though 
that the harvest is not fully in. It is just a little bit given in the beginning to guarantee a full harvest to come. You're not getting it. This is a guarantee. This is a pledge of what is to come. Now remember, this is Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th, all right? Passover, that is the sacrificial death on the cross of Jesus. Then we have the, the Feast of Firstfruits. That is symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Then on the 50th day after, we find the, the Feast of Harvest, which is representing, hallelujah, it's representing the first of what's to come. Now watch, watch this. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? That is when the Spirit of God came down. Jesus went up and the Spirit came down. Now why did the Spirit come down? Ephesians 1 verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed. Say that with me. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is, watch this, here it is, here it is, which is the earnest of our inheritance. It's the, oh yeah, it's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. What, what does that mean? There is an inheritance to come. I have not gotten all I'm going to get. But God sent the Holy Spirit as a pledge, as a guarantee, as an assurance that what I have, there's better yet to come. Woohoo! Say amen. I lived, I lived in, in a parsonage or a pastorium, whatever you want to call it, my whole life. My whole life. We never owned a home. My whole life growing up, never owned a home. Didn't know, didn't know the circumstances surrounding it. Didn't know what you do to buy a home. Didn't know anything about all that. When I moved to Coleman, Alabama, we decided we were going to buy a house. And we went to the realtor, and we found something that we could afford. And, 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 and we went to her and said, ma'am, I believe we'll take it. We want to make an offer. And she said, okay. She says, I need, I need. Now, now how y'all know, how y'all know most preachers are poor? And this is what she said. She said, we need $500 earnest money. I said, what? I never heard of earnest money. I never ever heard of it. Only earnest I knew went to camp. I said, ma'am, earnest money? What, what, what's earnest money? What does that mean? I said, I'm, I'm just making an offer. I'm not, you know, they ain't said that. She says, I need earnest money for you to make an offer. And, and, and she could tell the look on my face that I had never been here before. Amen. <laughs> she said, sir, let me explain it to you. You're making an offer, but you're going to put down earnest money to show that you're serious about your offer. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this verse. And I about had a baptistical fit right there in that realtor. Because it dawned on me. It dawned on me. That was the first time I really got it. That Jesus went up. 
But he sent the Holy Spirit down to let us know he was serious about his offer. And there is a redemption to come. There is an inheritance to come. The Holy Spirit has sealed us into the day of redemption. Ladies, you, when you get married, you get, you get that engagement ring. That's that promise. That ring is a promise. You know what? That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is that guarantee. He is that, that, that earnest. He's that, he's that inheritance. He's that, he's that engagement ring letting you know the best is yet to come. He comes. And, and, and let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, gracious. I told you we're going to run out of time. Hey, we're going we're gonna to catch this up next week. <clears throat> There is so much confusion. There is so much confusion in the day we live in when it comes to Acts chapter number 2. There's confusion about tongues. There's confusion about the gifts, the purpose of them, what are they for, what were they accomplished. And most people will avoid this, but we ain't. Because this is important. This is, I'm telling you, I hate to do a to be continued, but we're out of time. And we're getting right to the best part. What's the point? Pentecost did not happen because they prayed good. They were not asking. They were not asking for this promise. They were waiting on it. Pentecost happened because it was in God's timetable. It was all the sovereign working of God. Preacher, why are you saying this? Because I want everybody in here to understand this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we have to ask or pray hard enough to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nowhere, not one single scripture. All they did was wait. You say, why? Are you just upset at... Pentecostals, no, that has nothing to do with it. My whole life, I've heard evangelists preach that, man, if we could just pray like they did, we we could be touched by God like they were. We could have another Pentecost. If we just prayed harder, if we had more faith. In my whole life, I felt inadequate because I felt like I could never pray that good. To come to find out, It had nothing to do with how good they prayed. It was all the timing of God. And there's so much more of that to come. Come back and be with us next week. Church, say amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. Next week, Jesus has ascended. The Spirit has arrived. Now what? Say, is next week going to be exciting? Oh, boy. Let me tell you how exciting it's going to be. You will find disciples. You will find disciples who before Pentecost were hiding in a room. Then after Pentecost, the Bible says, and this is how they they, they describe them. They were ignorant and unlearned men who did what? They turned the world upside down. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. God knew what we would need. God knew what we would need to accomplish the commission He gave us. 
And I'm so thankful for the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll help. I, I know this is a little weird. It's a little different than normal. It's just, just a lot of information. But God, there's so many Christians who are ignorant. They're ignorant of things. They're ignorant of truth. And because of that, they're being swayed and they're being deceived. Lord, you said in Ephesians chapter number 4 that there are men lying in wait, waiting to deceive. There are Christians who, who are believers in Christ who are, being, who are being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And Lord, we got, they got to know this stuff. They need to know this information. This is not entertaining. This is not entertaining, and I understand that. But God, I pray that they'll understand it is edifying. It is strengthening. It will give them the knowledge they need to withstand deception and false doctrine. I pray your perfect will be done. Lord, if there's someone in this building who needs to be saved, I pray that they find a way to this altar. We'll, we'll be glad to take our Bible and show them how to be saved. Lord, if there's someone here, there's someone here that, that, that needs to join up. They've been praying about it. They've been looking toward that and this is the day. Lord, let him come today. And Lord, if there's someone here that just needs personal, one-on-one -on -one attention, that just needs encouragement, maybe needs prayer, I pray that they come today. In this verse, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.